Thank you so much, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. I might move around a little bit, but I'll try to stay centered for uh, the Facebook Live. But if I move, I'll be right back. So um, it's good to see everyone today. Um, like Pastor Joe said, uh, my, my uncle, Chuck Bathers. Uncle Chuck, could you raise your hand? So my uncle thought it was important for me to go to church when I was young. And so my mom was a Christian, and she passed away when I was very young. I was four years old. And so my dad really wasn't taking my sister and I to church that often. My sister is also here, Tawny. Tawny, can you raise your hand? Uh, it's my younger sister. And um, so Uncle Chuck thought it was important that we go to church. And I wanted to hang out with my cousin Sam. Uh, Sam and I are very close in age, and we basically hung out every day growing up. And plus, Uncle Chuck would take me to Dunkin' Donuts uh, <laughs> as part of the church experience. So I knew I was going through the drive-thru to get a chocolate glazed bar or maple bar, and I would love that. And so I would come to Calvary Chapel, and, and I know I was even younger than 16 when I started coming because uh, Uncle Chuck showed me some pictures uh, the other day when, when I got baptized and I was nine. So I had to probably start coming to the church around maybe seven or uh, a young age like that. And um, so, so, yeah, I was exposed to God here at Calvary Chapel, and then my dad put my sister and I in Tacoma Baptist School, so again, I was exposed to God, but it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I made um, a profession of faith that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, so that happened when I was 16, and it was at a Calvary Chapel retreat. Um, so this church is very special to me. It's the church uh, where I got saved. Um, it's my first church, like Pastor Joe said, you're coming home, you know, so, so I'm home today. Um, so I'm so thankful. A uh, few recent memories, uh, my father passed away as well, uh, but it was in about 2015, 2016, and he lived close to here. And, uh, and I said, well, Dad, I'm going to go preach at Calvary Chapel. And um, he says, well, well, Herbie, I'm coming. I said, well, Dad, you don't have to come. He just had this heart surgery and he was recovering. And I said, Dad, you don't have to come. And there will be plenty of times when you can hear me preach. You know, I'm a young man, plenty of years left. And he's like, no, I'm coming, I'm coming. So he did everything he could to uh, put on his shirt and put on his tie and his jacket. And he came to hear me preach in about 2015, 2016, and he was so worn out from his surgery that he actually laid on the chairs in the back. Um, but he said, son, I heard what you said. I heard everything that you said. Amen. And my dad passed away shortly after that. So that was the last time that my father uh, got to hear me preach. And then I was just reflecting on with my wife. Uh, my wife is in the back there with my son. My wife's name is Leela. Leela, if you could raise your hand. And then my son Herbie's in his stroller back there. Uh, Herbie is now 15 years old. And uh, then my youngest son, Theo, who some of you never met. Theo, do you want to raise your hand and say hi to everyone? <laughs> All right, Theo's right there. He's six years old. So... Um, so yeah, but it, it has been three years since I've been here, and like Mrs. Williams said, well, you've been busy, and I think I have. Um, when I was about 30 years old, the Lord called me to North Carolina 
to be a pastor for the first time in my life. So I was a youth pastor in North Carolina for teenagers for seven years. And then the Lord, I also did seminary tra training out there at Southeastern uh, Theological Seminary and got my Master of Divinity. And then the Lord brought me back home. And so now I'm a senior pastor at Antioch Bible Church. But it's been three years since I've been here. And I was like, man, it's been a long time. And a lot has changed uh, in the past three years um, for you guys and for me too. But I'm just so happy to be here and to share the word with you guys today. Um, you know, at my church, someone else is preaching today, and uh, Pastor Joe and I said, well, it'd be nice if I could come down in the fall, and I was just looking at the schedule, and I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make it, um, but then the Holy Spirit said, Herb, you can, you can go down on, on that day right after Thanksgiving. You know how you wanted a break from preaching? You can go down and preach there right after Thanksgiving, and so here I am today, so so excited to bring the word to you today. Um, if you have a Bible, can you open it up to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10? So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you're watching on live, I see there are some viewers there on live. Welcome. So glad you could join us as well. So we are in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the title of the message today is Amazing Grace. Yeah. Amazing Grace. I cannot sing, so there will be no Amazing Grace solos. Praise the Lord. But, uh, but we will preach the word, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So there was a time in all of our lives when we ran to sin to satisfy our needs. For all of us, it was a time of darkness in our lives. But God got a hold of our lives and changed our lives. He made us completely new by His grace and by His love. And so the message today is really a story of all believers in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will be inspired to live out your faith. So let's read the scripture together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is the word of God. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing, 
it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are a, a note taker, I'm a, I'm a note taker. I always take notes because I'm a visual learner. Uh, if you're taking notes or if you just want to follow along uh, in your mind, I want to give you an outline of the sermon today. And the outline of the sermon, like I said before, is really a three-part story for all believers in Jesus Christ. So the first section of our message today is born guilty. And that's in verses 1 through 3. The next section of the message is but God. And that's in verses 4 through 7. And the final section of the message is by grace in verses 8 through 10. So verses 1 through 3, born guilty. Verses 4 through 7, but God. And verses 8 through 10, by grace. So let's take a look at the first part of the story, which is born guilty in verses 1 through 3. So if you look in verse 1, it says, and you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And you might wonder, is there any difference between a trespass and a sin? Well, there, there are differences. The word trespass means to fall aside or to side slip. So we have all fallen aside from God's word, right? We have all side slipped and made a mistake, right? So that's what it means to trespass. It says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So sin means to miss the mark. So that has the idea of an archer coming back and aiming for the bullseye and missing the mark. And we have all done both. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men and all women because all have sinned. And so this idea that people are inherently good is a myth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 and in Ephesians chapter 2 in the first few verses that we are born guilty. So I'm a pastor supposed to be morally good, but I want to tell you that I'm not a morally good person. Maybe you are, but I am not a morally good person. Apart from Christ, there is nothing good that dwells in me. Did you know that there is no sin that you are not capable of committing? There is no sin you are not capable of committing. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So total depravity 
is the condition of mankind. We are all wicked apart from Christ. Do you see verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh? And then verse 2 talks about Satan as the prince of the power of the air who rules the world. Without Christ, you have no power against the ruler of this world. Without Christ, Satan will control you. He will control your life. He will take your life. He will take the good plan that God has from you. Without Christ, you can't defeat Satan. So that's the first part of the story. We are born guilty. And we are all in need of rescue. So here comes God. Here's the second part of the story, which is but God in verses 4 through 7. Look at verse 4. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So you see those two words, but God. Isn't that the story of your, your life as a believer? But God. And that is the turning point of salvation. God's display of his great love was sacrificing his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for your sins. Amen. And he did this so you could have eternal life in heaven. Amen. God showed you mercy. He with held the punishment that you deserve. Those are your sins on the cross. Personalize it. Those are your sins on the cross. Those sins that you have committed. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, past, present, and future. You should be taking the brunt of your sins. You should be penalized for your sins. But God said, hey, I have a substitution, and the sub is Jesus Christ, my one and only Son. He took your place on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus was the propitiation for your sins, which means that he was the wrath-absorbing sacrifice for your sins. So the blood of Jesus was enough to cover your sins. It appeased the wrath of God for all of our sins. And it just blows my mind that God would sacrifice His one and only Son to die for wicked sinners who were born guilty, who opposed Him, that lived in rebellion of Him. But Jesus loves you. It's this great love that is spoken about in verse 4. And when you look at verse 6, it says, And God raised us up with him, with Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you are actually seated with Christ. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, you have been made alive together with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. And the Bible says you have been seated with Christ. 
So if you turn back in the scripture one page to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Ephesians 1, verse 20, it's talking about God's power. And this is what it says, picking up in verse 20. The power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So do you see in those verses how Jesus Christ is seated above all authority and power and dominion? He is seated above Satan? So then when you come back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says that he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what this means is that as believers in Christ, we are positionally seated with Christ now. So when you get to heaven, yes, you will be physically seated with Christ. But right now, in the land of the living, you are positionally seated with Christ. Well, you might say, well, what does that mean? That means that you can overcome Satan. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no opportunity to the devil. Ephesians 6.11 says, stand against the schemes of the devil. So we are positionally seated with Christ now. So you know how Satan lies to you? You know how Satan accuses you and puts all these thoughts in your mind? Since you are positionally seated with Christ above all dominion, you can put Satan back in his place. You are beneath my feet, Satan. I am in Christ. I am above you. So go back to where you belong. You have no power in my life, because I am seated above you in Christ. You look at verse 7, and it says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So for me, as a preacher, when I see that word immeasurable, I wonder why that word was chosen for translation. And some of your Bibles, it may say surpassing, the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So I looked the word up in the original languages, in the Greek language. What does this word immeasurable mean? So the word immeasurable in the Greek language means to go beyond the mark. So that makes sense for the translation. It's immeasurable. It goes beyond the mark. It's surpassing, and it goes beyond the mark. So the Olympics were on, and track and field, they have the shot put event, right? So the shot putter takes it and throws it as far as they can. They try to hit the mark, try to hit a world record throw if they can. So it's kind of like this with the immeasurable riches of His grace. It's kind of like we get up to throw the shot put. And we throw the shot put, but we miss the mark. And then God says, give me the shot put. 
And God takes this shot put and throws this shot put beyond the mark. And remember, the definition of sin is to miss the mark. So watch this. We miss the mark in sin, but God goes beyond the mark in his grace. So our sin is no match for God's grace. That's how much he loves you. That's the effect of him dying on the cross for your sins. So God made salvation possible through Jesus Christ, but God. Now I want to be very clear on how you are saved. Let's look at the third section of the message or the third part of the story in verses 8 through 10, which is by grace. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith in verse 8. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what I want to do today is tell you Satan's favorite lie. So the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. He is the king of half-truths. You saw this in the Garden of Eden. So... I want to tell you what I believe that is one of Satan's absolute favorite lies. And here's what it is. If you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. I think that's Satan's favorite lie. If you are a good person, then you will go to heaven. And this is what a lot of people think. A lot of religions, almost all of them outside of Christianity, which believes that you are saved by grace alone through faith alone, other religions are works-based. You have to be good enough to earn your way into heaven. And those who aren't religious at all, if you go and knock on their door and you say, hey, do you think you're going to go to heaven? They will base it on their morality. Yeah, I think I'll go to heaven. I'm a pretty good person. Satan's favorite lie. You'll go to heaven if you're a good person. And here's a spinoff of the very same lie. If your good outweighs your bad, then you will go to heaven. It's like a scale. If your good outweighs your bad, you will go to heaven. It's the same lie. It's just a spinoff of the same lie. So I'm here to expose Satan's lies. And I want to tell you the truth. And here is the truth, is that you will not go to heaven because you are a good person. Did you hear that on Facebook Live? Did you hear that? You will not go to heaven because you are a good person. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, for it's only by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by any work that you can do so that no one may boast. You receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith, and grace is a gift, not a work. Faith is a gift, not a work. 
I have never once boasted about placing my faith in Christ because I know I didn't do anything. It was all God at the moment that you put your faith in Christ. Your faith is not a work. It's a gift. He drew a wicked sinner like myself to salvation at a Calvary Chapel retreat in the Snoqualmie Mountains. I remember the day. It was March 7th, 2000. And let me set the landscape for you. My cousin Sam said, hey, Herb, do you want to go to a church retreat? I said, where is it? He said, in the mountains. I said, what am I going to do in the mountains? There's no basketball courts in the mountains. And he said, well, Herb, there's three girls coming on the church retreat. And I said, oh, okay, well, I changed my mind. I'm going to go to this church retreat. So I go to the church retreat. I don't want to be around the church part. No offense, Pastor Joe. But I'm just going to hang out with the girls and to go down these uh, slopes and inner tube. And I think I avoided the church part as well as I could. But then on the very last day, I was by myself in the room. I don't know where my cousin was. No one was around me. And I heard some worship music playing. So I walked up these spiral, this spiral staircase, and they were, it looked like they were just worshiping the Lord. They were rehearsing. It wasn't like an actual live worship service. The adults were fellowshipping. And so I just saw a pew in the very back, and I went to sit in the very back pew. I'm by myself, 16 years old, too cool for school. Oh, if you would have saw me when I was 16 years old, some of you guys knew me when I was 16 years old, but I thought I was God's gift to the world. I was like, look, I got good grades. I'm good at sports. I have friends. There is nothing else I need as a young person. I have everything you would want as a young person. I was popular. All these things, this is all good. And so here I am, too cool for school, sitting in the back pew of a church retreat in the mountains by myself. They're playing worship songs. And at that moment, God got a hold of me and said, there is a void in your life. You think that you have everything that a teenager would want, that a young person would want but you don't, and that's why you still feel that void in your heart. So again, coming to Calvary Chapel when I was young, going to Tacoma Baptist School, still not knowing God, but being exposed to God. So it was at that moment that I bowed my head. I'm by myself. There's no pastor with me, no adult with me, no one with me. I bowed my head and said, God, I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life today. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know the way that I'm living is not right. And Lord, I ask you to cleanse me from my sins and to make me a clean, repentful Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. I got up out of that pew, 
I didn't tell anyone what happened. And on the way home, I've always been like a journaler. I've always written things down. I got a piece of paper and a pen. And on the bus ride home, I wrote, best day of life. And I chronicled what happened. And I still have that paper today. Faith is a gift. It is not a work. And I'm so thankful for this church, Calvary Chapel. I'm so thankful for everyone who planned that retreat in the year of 2000. I'm so thankful for my uncle bringing me to church. And now at 16 years old, I'm a new creation in Christ. It was the best day of my life. So now let's look at verse 10. We know how we are saved. It's only through faith. It's only through grace. And verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's kind of um, funny, but after insisting that salvation is not by good works, the very next verse brings up good works. And so you say, well, why, why is that? Well, good works has nothing to do with your salvation, but good works immediately follows your salvation. Amen. So that's one way that you know if you are a believer in Christ, are you bearing fruit? Has your life changed? Is there good works? Do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, which indwells you immediately upon salvation? If not, if none of these things are present in your life, it's likely that you are not saved. And a lot of people in the church are self-deceived. They think that they have a relationship with God. They think that they are saved, but they really are not. The Bible talks about that. He said, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that? Didn't I always go to church? Didn't I serve? Didn't I go on mission trips? Didn't I do that? And Jesus said, depart from me, you who never knew me. So I don't want you to be self-deceived about your salvation. So this might help you. One pastor said this to me, and, and, and it clicked for me. He said, you are not saved by good works but to do good works. So you're not saved by good works, but you're saved to do good works. Did you know that God has prepared good works for all of you? From eternity past, before time began, God knows your name. And God prepared good works for you. So despite what the world may say, despite what other people say about you, God has a good plan for your life. It says it right there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says that you are created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you should walk in those good works which God has prepared for you. I don't know if some of you like art, but fine art is often accompanied by a nameplate. 
so you know who the artist is. So if you're at an art gallery, you might say, oh man, that is a Picasso. It says it right there. Or if you've seen blown glass and you see a bunch of fine blown glass and you're down there in Tacoma, you say, that's a Shahuli. Del Shahuli made that. It says it right there on the nameplate. So when people see your good works, you know what they should say? That's a work of God. That's a work of God. The person is not so much drawn to you, but they are drawn to God. God is the artist. We are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. So I want to give you a three, three questions for you just to reflect upon and take home with you. Number one, what good works has God prepared for you? What good works has God prepared for you in your life, specifically to you? Because Ephesians 2.10 says that he has prepared good works for you. And number two, are you being faithful in your assignment? Are you being faithful in those good works that God has prepared for you? And number three, do your works draw attention to the artist? Are they drawing attention to God? Well, as we close our message out today, God saved the guilty through grace in Jesus Christ so that we could walk in good works and glorify God who is in heaven. And literally for everyone who has believed in Christ, your life can be summed up in two words, but God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who does not have salvation. I pray for anyone who does not know you as Lord and Savior. And if that's you right now, if you say, you know what, I, I heard the message, born guilty but God and by grace. And you say, you know, I, I don't think I've ever put my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't think that has ever happened. Like what you were talking about when you were 16 years old and there was that moment, there was that turning point in your life. I don't think that has ever happened to me. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now to put your faith in Jesus Christ. So if God is drawing you to salvation and you understand that it's by His grace, by Jesus that you can be saved, and you want to put your faith in Jesus right now, and you never have before, there has been no moment in your life before that you've ever done that, 
but you want to do that right now, and you feel strongly and convicted by the Spirit to do that right now, why don't you just raise your hand right where you are? Is there anyone in here who is not saved, who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, but you want to be saved today? I want to make sure I give you that opportunity. Is there anyone watching on the live stream and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you want to do that today? If that's you, today is the day for your salvation. Lord, Father, we are so thankful to present the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And for any who want to be saved right now, just call on God right where you are. You can say something like this, Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again. So today, I give my life to you. Lord, Father, make me a clean, repentant Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for having me. Such a blessing. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much.